be God forevermore. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I can go home. Glory, glory, glory. God is so good to us. I want to thank all of you, those who served and made videos and produced stuff for Pastor Appreciation. Um, I am grateful. I am grateful. I really am. Um, I struggle. <laughs> I know some of you are going to say you chose the wrong profession for that, but I didn't choose this profession, just so you know. But um, I struggle with attention. I just do. Um, so it was hard. It always is. My wife will tell you I'm the kind of guy that can hide in the cave and be just fine with it. Uh, but I really do appreciate all the honor. I appreciate uh, we, you know, we used to do these things for like two months straight. And I told Shane, I said, I can't handle two months of this. I said, so can you cut it back? So we cut it back, I think, to six weeks. And then we cut it back to four weeks. And I think right now we're at four weeks. And it's interesting because every time I cut it back, the offering gets bigger. <laughs> so I think next year we're only going to do a day. <laughs> so I can get in and out of this one quick, fast, and in a hurry. No, thank you guys. Um, I really do appreciate it. Like I said, I, it, I knew it was a lot. I watched all the the videos that were put together and things like that that people were doing and just the testimonies and things that people say. Um, how many of you know that just means the world to me? It really does. Because you, you often, you know, you you cast the bread upon waters and you hope that it returns with a harvest. And so to see the harvest in all of you and see the things that God is doing in you and with you, um, I am eternally grateful that he's given me the privilege and allowed me to be y'all's shepherd. Amen. So thank you guys so much. Now that I've gotten all that out the way, prepare to be smacked. <laughs> that was the setup <laughs> no I'm, I'm teasing Luke 16 verse 19 if you would please <laughs> Luke 16 verse 19 <laughs> some of y'all are just gluttons for punishment it's, it's just I, I'm concerned about y'all sometimes I'm like I have to repent before I come out here and preach it so I, I'm like, y'all, just eat it up. Um, you know, one of the things I'm often amazed of, um, side note, not message related, but it's worthy of saying, um, I'm amazed at people who come <clears throat> to preach here. And oftentimes I think they come with the expectation that y'all can't take it. I really do, because they're like, well, can I say, you can say whatever you want to say. As long as it's scriptural and it's the Bible, go for it. As long as it's God, you can do it. And, and so I think when people leave, they're like, your people are so hungry. And they're surprised, because they go other places, and people are just like bumps on a log. <clears throat> There's nothing worse than preaching to, to a dead crowd. I'm serious. And so I, I, I appreciate y'all. Y'all are my favorite people. It's it's hard for us when we go preach in other places. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's hard when we go other places to preach because we expect them to be like y'all. 
<laughs> and we, when I dropped my first grenade, <laughs> I'm looking, usually, you know, Al travels with me, so I'm looking at Al going, get the car ready. <laughs> Pulled up front because I'm, I'm coming out hot, baby. <laughs> oh, man. Luke 16, verse 19. Luke 16, verse 19. <clears throat> there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs he f- that fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all of this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, that which cannot pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us which would come from thence. And he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, let thou would have sent him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went to unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, or unto him, If he hear not Moses or the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one has risen from the dead. So we see this entire conversation, uh, and Jesus is telling this story, and we see this entire conversation between three dead people. Abraham's already gone, long gone. <clears throat> Lazarus and the rich man are all gone. And they're having this full-blown conversation about how to either help him in hell or to keep the people that he loved out of hell. And <clears throat> it is amazing to me because he said, you lived a life full of faring sumptuously yet you fared sumptuously without God. And I think one of the, the key problems with the concept of prosperity for most people is that they think that in order to prosper, you have to do it without God. And every, every parable, every story, every, about 75% of Jesus' parables and stories he told had to deal with money and possessions. So that means three out of every four things Jesus said, three out of every four, he is referring to money or possessions. His answer about money and possessions are not that you can't have them. It's that they can't have you. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And so... Now that this rich man has felt the, the, the heat and the hubs of hell, uh, he is now convinced that there is a better way, and he wants his family to experience that uh, better way. The, the thing that always uh, trips people up 
is the understanding that he's feeling pain, he's feeling emotion, he's feeling remorse, he's feeling uh, uh, loss, he's anticipating through fear that his brothers will end up the same way. He's feeling all of these things, and he is dead. When you have a funeral, uh, oftentimes you either have a casket with a body in it or you will cremate the person or, uh, you know, some variation thereof. And most people are acutely aware that whatever you have in the bottle, in an urn, in the casket is not the individual. Most people are acutely aware of that. Some people struggle with that concept because they think the person is there. So they go back to visit a grave and they talk to him. And, and so you, you just, you, this is just how the world sees things. And so <clears throat> you get offended to some degree when you read things where Jesus said, go let the dead bury the dead. And, and you're like, wow, Jesus, really? <laughs> I mean, you got no chill. <laughs> but he did say that. And so understanding in death has to help us understand in life. Because if he's dead, and the Bible says he dead and was buried, then his brain, his chemistry, his physiology, his physical earth suit, is if he's dead and buried, where is all of that? Where's his organs? Where's his brain? We think that when we feel that it's because we can touch things and it's the, uh, the outer layer of skin, the, what is it, cutaneous tissue? Thank you. Um, we think it's because of that that we can feel. So then when you have fire and the child touches fire, their hand gets burned and they never do it again. If they're smart. Um, I remember one time I was ironing. Little, I was little, maybe about seven or eight, and I was ironing. And and some of you are like, what's ironing? But <laughs> <laughs> I realized I just dated myself. <laughs> Tell me you're old without telling me you're old. So <laughs> I was ironing, and I put the iron on the ironing board, and I put it uh, face up, and I bumped it, and it actually slid and burned me straight down the side of my leg. Yeah, I know. Um, now, most people assume that my ability to process that is has to be completely natural. So then if it's completely a natural thing, then how is this man whose body, skin... Blood, no blood pumping anymore. He's dead. Yet and still, he's feeling the torment, the flames. He's feeling the separation. And he's seeing, he's observing, he's processing what he sees. He know, He's recognizing Abraham, which undoubtedly he's never met before. 
You know how old he'd have to be if he'd met Abraham? They didn't have photographs and videos. So he's knowing all of these things. And I'm taking my time with this because I, I really want you to understand that this is probably, if I had to say what are the top three problems that the world faces today, this is probably number one or number two. It's the lack of understanding of who you are. Because when you begin to understand who you are, not from an intellectual standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint, who God created you to be, and more importantly, where your information comes from. Because when you begin to understand, uh, let's take John. Jesus comes, you understand, John met Jesus one time. And when he met Jesus, he was separated between the tissue of his mother's belly and Elizabeth's belly. So he is on one side in her body, Elizabeth's body, John is, and Jesus is on the other side in Mary's body. And the two bellies come within range of each other, and John leaps in his mother's belly and is filled with the Holy Ghost. So then, years later, years later, John is baptizing folks, and he spots a man coming over the hill, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God. He's never met him. He's never laid physical eyes on him, yet he knows that's him. How is it possible to have that level of discernment having never met each other? It'd be one thing if Jesus said, that's John. Jesus is the son of God. Right? We know that he's been given the anointing without measure. We know that he's God in the flesh. So he knows. But for John, I want you to pay very close attention to what I'm telling you. Because this is extremely important. John is now seeing Jesus for the very first time, and he doesn't know him. He discerns him. So he says, behold, the Lamb of God. John is now in prison, about to lose his life. And he says, do me a favor. Go find Jesus. And ask him, is he really Jesus? (laughs) He met him as a baby in the womb with no intelligent cognitive ability, knows it's Jesus, gets filled with the Holy Ghost. He spots him coming over the hill and says, that's Jesus. He is now sitting in prison being punished for the very thing that he sold his life out to. And now with the pressures of prison, 
with the pressures of facing his death, with the pressures of fighting the struggle, with the pressures of going through battles, with the pressures of having your life at risk, with the pressures of going and being up against it, with the pressures of all the craziness of life, he finally says, could you do me a favor? Can you go find out if he's really Jesus? How did you lose what you were given by revelation and discernment, how did you lose it by eyesight? When most people live out of eyesight and seek revelation to line up with eyesight. Where he had insight and his eyesight talked him completely out of because he was up against it, because he had a problem, because he was, his life was being threatened, because he was going against what everybody else was doing. And finally, the pressure had gotten to the place where he said, you know what? I just have to be sure because maybe I've done all this in vain. <clears throat> Is he really Jesus? <sighs> so here we have this exchange where so many people think that what you feel is real. And Satan has learned how to tighten the grips in the moments where you feel the worst. Where you're like, God, if any more stuff happens, God, if one Come on, finish it. If one, I'm going to lose my mind up in here. And then lo and behold, because <laughs> Satan's going, yeah, we need one more. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. I just heard him say it. They just said it. One more. That's all we need. One more. Send another one. All the while, because you try to discern God through eyesight, you fail to walk in the revelation of his insight. And when you try to relate or deal with God through your flesh, then that's when you think posture will replace position. That's when you think, if I pray on my knees, posture. If I do certain things, posture will replace my position with him because evidently my position with him is not enough to correct the craziness I'm experiencing. And the reality is that God doesn't deal with you according to your flesh. He doesn't work with you in accordance to your flesh. God deals with you in accordance to your spirit. And when he deals with you according to your spirit, look at uh, Second Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. says, the very God of peace sanctified you what? Now, that's not H-O-L-Y, meaning consecrated, set apart for God. 
That's holy as in all of you. So why would I have to sanctify you wholly unless I can sanctify parts of you? Right? If I say I want the whole pie, that means you could have gave me a piece of it. But I don't want the piece of it. I want the whole thing. Right? We got a video of Ari eating some Rocher Ferrero chocolates. And Shana said, can I have some? And so Ari's like, no. (laughs) She's probably, what, two? Might have been one. And so she says, come on, can Mama have some? There's Papa's chocolate. Share with me. So Ari pulls a crumb. I mean, it's so small that you can't even see it. She's holding it, though. But you can't even see it through the camera. And so in the video, she puts it in Shana's hand. And Shana goes like this. Wow. And she shows it to the camera. You still can't see it. And she goes, this is it? And Ari goes like this. As if to say, if you didn't want this little crumb, (laughs) I'll take it back. (laughs) You understand that God said all of it. He didn't want the little crumb you're willing to give. He didn't want the little piece that you are willing to sacrifice. You want to say, you know, I'll sacrifice poverty in my life because that benefits me. You can have that. <laughs> and then when, when God says you'll have a hundred houses, you're like, ooh, a hundred houses. What about that with persecutions? Oh, yeah, you can have the persecution part. <laughs> He said, very God of peace, sanctify you. And then he says, I pray God, your whole. So then, what he then outlines to you is that you are three parts. In the same way that God is three parts, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, you are also three parts, Spirit, soul, and body. Prior to you being saved, your spirit is dead unto God. This is why the world has an agenda that is working through companies like Disney to groom our children for pedophilia and all other kinds of things. And nobody sees it. And then you're sitting back going, this is as clear as day. And you're like, why is it so clear to me? But it's so foreign. You know, Disney just ousted their CEO. Yeah, just recently, within the last week. For these types of, these blatant things that are happening. Because woke ain't really woke. (laughs) 
Y'all didn't think I was going to let you off the hook easy, did you? <laughs> and so you wonder, how do people not see this? It's because their spirit is dead. Their soul is alive. Their body is alive. And so they live from a worldview of their soul and of their body. If my body wants this, my body gets this. You deal with people who say, well, my heart just wants what it wants. <laughs> yes, sis, but he's beating the crap out of you. Oh, he just had a bad day. Yeah, for real? <laughs> That's what we're going to call this? Because the soul is driving and the body is driving. And the soul will not spare the body even unto death. I need you to see it. So this is why someone's body could be injured and hurt and the soul still doesn't care. You would think that if you applied enough pressure to their body, they change their soul. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, a lot of times they won't. That's why God, when he said to... Uh, about the man who was sleeping with his father's wife, he said, put him out of the church. And he said, turn him over to Satan. For what reason? For the destruction of his flesh. For the saving of his soul. Because he said, if I get him over to Satan, and he begins to experience all that Satan unleashes on him, with having knowledge of God, he'll now have contrast to know it was better over here. I'm over here eating pig slop in the world when I can go home as the prodigal son to my father who will put a ring on my finger. So a lot of people don't understand the prodigal son really wasn't about the one who left and came back. It's really about the one who stayed. Because the one who left and came back had to experience. This is why when you have children, you have to let them experience things. They got to go through certain stuff. They just have to. There's no way they can make a choice for God without having a choice for Satan. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? <clears throat> so when he said that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved, He's saying you have to be mindful of your spirit, you have to be mindful of your body, and you have to be mindful of your soul. So if your soul and your body has been running you all of your life, and then you get saved, now your spirit is alive unto God, but your spirit is a baby. Your spirit is in there going, goo goo gaga. And your soul's like, shut fool. I've been running this thing. <laughs> And so your spirit's going, well, what about God? And your soul's going, God who? I got you. I've been running this thing. <laughs> now the battle's on. Because the truth of the matter is, you are a spirit. You live in a body, and you possess a soul. Do you remember when uh, the Apostle Paul he said, <clears throat> I was caught up into the third heaven. 
He said, whether in the body or out of the body, I couldn't tell. And he said it again. He said, whether in the body or out of the body. He said, when he got caught up into the third heaven, the third heaven is God's throne. When the Apostle Paul was brought up there, he said, I can't tell. I couldn't tell whether I was in my body or out of my body. Now, what I want you to think about for a second is just think about yourself. And if you were having a conversation with somebody and you went like this with your hand and it was a white sheet, you know, like Casper, <laughs> if it was a white sheet before your eyes, you'd go, whoa, look down, I'm a ghost. If that were true. The only problem is that's not true. So then when you think a ghost looks like something that just floats in with a sheet. No, that's something the Halloween store sells you because you don't know no better. It's just like when you see an angel that's dressed up like a female. Or the angel, females are not angels. There's no feminine female angels. Nowhere in the Bible will you find a reference to some female with long flowing who's cute. <laughs> An angel showed up to Balaam and a donkey started speaking English or whatever language they were talking. That's how much it scared him. That it gave him a language that he could speak. <laughs> what makes you think that he's pretty long flowing Anyway, <clears throat> so when you begin to understand that he said, I didn't know whether I was in my body or out of my body, he's like, I just couldn't tell. Then that means in, his, in the spirit, he still looks like him. So when you shed this body of yours, you will still see you. You are a spirit. You live in a body and you possess a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So <clears throat> let's break it down. When he is in the ground, he's feeling hurt and pain and he's feeling remorse and he's feeling a fondness and a love for his brothers. He's feeling all these emotions. How could that be in his brain? when his brain is still in the ground. Soul. Because the only thing that does not die is your soul. When your body, that's why the Bible says ashes to ashes, they're letting you know your body will return to the ground. From out of the ground it was made, from out of the ground it was returned. And many people spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to preserve their body so that it doesn't return. Which I'm not quite sure what the point of that is because I think maybe some you're going to dig them up in 100 years. But never mind. I don't want to mess with too many sacred cows right now. But I'm amazed at how many people spend the kind of money they spend to preserve dirt. 
What causes them to do that is their soul. Because their emotions, their mind, and their will. Your will is your desire to do something. So are you telling me that your desire for the things you desire can be hooked to your soul? And they emanate from your soul? So then when you think you have a desire that's against what God said, and you then say things like, well, God gave it to me, so it must be, God made me this way, so it must be. (laughs) No, God made you, no question. But your soul shaped you. Your life shaped you. I have counseled uh, numerous people that have struggled with their sexuality. And do you know that I have yet to find one that wasn't uh, molested or accosted or raped? In 17 years, 17 years, I have yet to find one person who was not harassed in some way, shape, or form that then ends up struggling and have no idea the spiritual implications of how their soul has been affected and then don't seem to see how what your soul now wants is not a spirit thing. Can't be. Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but what? What's in here? If I pour this into a different shaped bottle, what will be in that bottle? If I pour it into this coffee cup right here from Starbucks, if I pour this water into here, what will be in this cup? Will it ever be transformed? But it will be conformed to the shape of this cup. Most people think that transformed is the same as conformed. I don't care where I put this water, it will still be water. The only way I can transform this water is I'm going to have to do something to it. Make some soda out of it. Turn it into wine. Something, whatever the case may be. So, when the Bible says don't be conformed, the Bible's telling you, quit trying to take your life and fit it into the world. Quit trying to pour out living water that's in you and make it fit into the container that the world has. 
Quit trying to get along, to go along, agree along with the world. You were not made to get along with the world. You were not made to be friends with the world. You were not made to walk lockstep with the world. You were supposed to be different. You were called out to be different. You are a peculiar people, a special people, set apart, a priesthood. You are not supposed to be like the world. You are in your own, not even just bottle. You are your own liquid of different sorts that cannot be poured into the world. And he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And then he says, here's how you be transformed by getting saved. He doesn't say that. By renewing your spirit. Huh? Talk to me. He says, by renewing what? Your soul. That you may prove, that you may test, that you may demonstrate. <clears throat> I grew up in in, uh, in Delaware, my last years of like high school and stuff like that. And Delaware is just above Maryland. And I used to go down uh, into uh, what was called Aberdeen, Maryland, which was a proving ground. And you could go around, you couldn't go in it, but you go around it. And there was a lot of marshlands and things like that because they needed quite a bit of space because it was a proving ground. And if you know what a proving ground is, a proving ground is where they test weapons and blow up stuff and do all kinds of stuff they tell you they can't do. (laughs) And so to prove is to verify it works. See, because you know how bad it would be if we started firing missiles that we never tested? In the event that something goes south, we need to know this stuff works, right? So we test it to make sure it works. <laughs> COVID. Um, and so they, they te- oh. And so they test weapons. COVID. <laughs> oh. They test it. To see if it works. Just some good water. (laughs) Be not conformed to, but be ye. So notice the transformation comes when you get your mind together. Not when you get saved. You get translated when you get saved. Translated means you are moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But you are still the same. And if your feet stink before you found Jesus. And it would be crazy to say, now that I'm saved, my feet no longer stink. So I will never have to wash them again. Thank you, Jesus. No, you're going to have to spend some time washing your feet just like everybody else does. You have to spend time combing your hair because your hair will not stay combed. So then the, 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 the basis of our ability to be transformed and to live a transformed life, you've got to get your mind right. And, we're, and if you don't see the battle that goes on in your mind, That's why Satan does what he wants to do.
even though you're saved. And many of you approach God from the position of, while I'm saved, I have rights. We couldn't tell. You'll cuss somebody out in a minute. We couldn't tell. So the mind has never been renewed to then prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And that's why when James, was it 121? Wherefore, go to verse uh, 20 real quick. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Then he says, wherefore, in other words, because of that, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word was able to do what? Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. He's the pastor. He's talking to the church folks. They're already saved, ain't they? But then he says, you've got to put aside your craziness. But you keep praying to God. God, take this craziness from me. God, I no longer want to struggle with what I struggle with. God, bring me the right woman for my life. God, bring me the right man for my life. And you act crazy. And you assume that God don't love the right man or woman enough to not give them you. You forgot there was another prayer on the other side of that saying, give me the right one. <laughs> this is how people do. And they, and they pray amiss because they don't realize there are some things you can't pray away. There are some things you got to disciple away. You have to dis- discipline yourself to say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to ask God to take from me what he told me to lay apart. And why did he tell me to lay it apart? Lay it apart because now you become separate and that's how you save your soul. So notice your soul don't save you. You save. That's why the Apostle Paul said this. This will make more sense to you. Remember when he said, I beat my body? He said, I beat it daily. Now you know Paul ain't sitting there punching himself in the mouth. If we'd put him in a special hospital, if that was the case. That's not what he's doing. When he says he beats his body, what he's saying is, I don't allow my body to control and dictate what I'm fixing to do. Remember, then he said, at least I'd be disqualified. In other words, he said, I can't sit here and preach to you and not control me. At least I'm disqualified. Because you don't, I don't get a pass because I preach it to you. What does that tell you? I don't get a pass because I say it. And a lot of people think because they say the rhetoric, they know the Christianese, they know the language, they think because they say it, they get a pass on having to walk it. And that's why it says the engrafted word is able to save your soul. Engrafted means the part that takes. So the whole Bible cannot save your soul. 
I guess potentially it could. <laughs> but it's really the part that you believe that will affect you. Because the word, it's the, the, the book itself is not going to do it. It's not going to jump off the table and get its knowledge inside of your head. If you could get it by osmosis, I'd line you all up and smack you with it. I'm not kidding. You try to run, I'll chase you down. I might be big, but I'm fast. <laughs> and I hit you in the head with this Bible. If, you, if I thought you could get it that way, some of you I hit twice. <laughs> some of y'all have me on Judge Judy. This man that hit me about five times with this Bible. <laughs> like, evidently, the part about forgiving didn't take. <laughs> I'm teasing y'all. I'm trying to get y'all to laugh. This is such a serious subject. <clears throat> but you understand that so many people don't understand how you have to apply the word in the areas that you're struggling. You don't skin graft over good skin. You only graft in places that are a problem. So if my problem is that I don't believe, per se, that I should be going to church and be saved and live life, blah, 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 then I pick areas in the word that apply to what I am struggling with and I engraft it. And then when it says it's not going to work or stick, I push it in harder and say, yeah, you are. Because you're not going to dictate my life. If I'm struggling with poverty, then, then I have to... Listen, you know, most people think poverty is money. Yes. Poverty is not a money. If you would study it, you'd know poverty is a spirit. Yes. It's a spiritual thing. Amen. You ever see somebody that gets like a new car and within a week or two, it looks like it done blew up? Right. You're like, dear God, how did that happen? They get a new, you know, iPad or, or phone and it's cracked 50 million times. You're like... You just got it. How does all your stuff fall apart like this? And you thought it was natural. <laughs> and there are certain people where you can see this, and they, they're all, it's always well taken care of. And then you wonder why God said, I will not increase you uh, all. He said, I'll do it little by little. He said, lest the beasts of the field come and take over. Think about that. God said, I won't give it all to you in one shot. He said, I'll increase you little by little. He said, and the reason being, because I don't want the beast to come take it from you. <laughs> in other words, if I gave it all to you right now, and you weren't prepared, if your soul wasn't ready, then Satan can come take it from you because you'll be used to yielding to his impulses and not mine. He said, so I'll give it to you little by little, let you catch up. That's the way it works. He said, because only the word's able to do what? Save your soul. So then, <clears throat> if we want to be transformed... And we are getting very clear that it's through the renewing of your mind. It's getting very clear that it's changing the way you think. Then how many of you understand that the biggest problem, look at Ephesians 2, 3. 
Do you guys have the voice translation back there? By any chance? If you do, throw it up there. If you don't, put the Amplified. Ephesians 2, 3. The voice translation. Okay, they don't. So listen, let me read it to you. It says, We were all guilty of falling headlong for the pervasive passions of this world. We all have had our fill of indulging the flesh and mind, obeying impulses to follow perverse thoughts motivated by dark powers. As a result, our natural inclinations, our natural inclination led us to be children of wrath, just like the rest of humankind. I'm Maria Tini Amplified, but give me one second. Okay. Among these, we as well, as you once lived and conducted yourselves in the passions of our our behavior being by our corrupt and sensual nature, obeying the impulses of, everybody say body, and the thoughts of our soul. Everybody say soul. Our cravings dictated by our, our dark imaginings, which our senses is the combination of your soul and your flesh creates your senses. We were then, by nature, children of God's wrath and heirs of his, like the rest of mankind. Now, put this into King James and go back to verse 2, please. Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the the spirit that now worketh where? So now, then he goes on to say about how, you know, there was an impulse, your senses, this is how you were led. The word course is not, um, the word course has its root in a word kata, K-A-T-A. In certain martial arts, when you learn a kata, a kata is a, is a, is a sequence or a, uh, where you graduate from different belts. You perform a sequence, and based on the skill by which you can perform those sequences, you can then graduate to the next level. So it's a predetermined pattern that you are to emulate, and by your ability to emulate it successfully, you are now promoted to the next level. You follow me? So when you're walking according to the course, most people think that when I'm living in the world, that the world is truly free. The world is not free. The world has a pattern. They have a kata. They have a course. And that course is according to the prince of the power of the air. And he's the one who controls it and influences it. And so if you begin to believe that God is okay with things that you know God's not okay with, it now presents the problem, do I believe the world or do I believe God? 
And here's the struggle. I have been living in the world for so long that the world feels native to me. So it's got to be right because this feels so right. Because this is so contrary to what I grew up with. This is so contrary to what I was taught in school. This is so contrary to what the world says. This is so contrary to what my favorite TV show keeps pumping into my life. This is so contrary. And I'm just used to this. And this feels better. And then that's when he goes into verse 3. Among whom also we had our conversations in time. In other words, we lived our life in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature. In other words, we were children who were recipients of God's indignation. So then if I'm supposed to be different, then how do I sit there and live as a child of wrath, suffering God's indignation and pretend like I'm his child? Wanting all of his blessings and you have been duped to the place because you have watched people who have done horrific things and stand to a podium and say, I'd like to thank the academy and then I'd like to thank, oh God, my creator. I'd like to get up here and give all glory to God even though every song I make. And then you have been duped to believe that you can serve God and not have to forsake the world. God did create them. No question. God created all this. But I'm not worried about what God created. I'm worried about what God controls. (laughs) And so people don't understand They're walking according to a course. There's a plan, and that course is orchestrated by Satan. If you beat the bush long enough, you will find Satan will come out. He'll come slithering out. If you beat the bush long enough, you'll see how he was laughing as we were aborting babies like crazy. He'll see, if you beat that bush long enough, you'll see he was laughing when we took prayer out of schools. He's like, man, I'm <laughs> scar. And the whole institution of Hollywood and everything else that we have paid ungodly amounts of money into is just starting to become unraveled and exposed for what it really was and really is. <laughs> and you had no idea. There was a course in this world. There's a system in this world. And that system was not designed by you. It's not orchestrated by you. It's not controlled by you. It's not even controlled by what you see. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in. Y'all got got time? All right. Go to... um, Go to Ezekiel twenty eight. 
go to um, go to verse uh, God, trying to choose. Verse 2. I'll start there. In the King James. You ready? He says, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, because thy heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God, and I sit on the seat of God in the midst of the seas. Yet thou art a man, and not God, being thou set thine heart as the heart of God. So in other words, he said, you, you tell him that he's nothing but a mere man. He has acted like he's God. He has somehow convinced himself that he has the heart of God, the mind of God, the direction of God. Listen to me. And this is why the world says, well, if God is a just God, why would he have a problem with your behavior? Why would he have a problem with this? He's a good God. That's the wisdom of the world, setting itself up to pretend it has the heart of God. So, so watch what he says. <clears throat> Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. Is there no secret that they can hide from thee? With thy wisdom and thy understanding, with thy wisdom and thine understanding, thou hast gotten riches. Thou hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasures. By thy great wisdom and by thy traffic hast thou increased thy riches. Thine heart is lifted up because thy riches. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou set thy heart as the heart of God, behold, therefore I will bring strangers upon thee, the terrible of nations, and shall draw their swords against the beauty of thy wisdom, and they shall defile their brightness. Go to verse 12. Son of man, take up lamentation for the king of Tyrus and say unto him. Now, he has addressed the prince of Tyrus, right? So the prince is under a, come on, y'all, it's basic, right? Kings, the prince is under the, so when the king dies, the prince, okay. He's first talking to the prince and he says, you set your heart like God. You did all these things. You thought because you were skilled with your hands, your wisdom is what got you, not my wisdom. He said, your wisdom. He said, because you saw money because of your wisdom, you thought your wisdom was right. Because you saw. So then believers having money ain't the problem. It's where you put your glory Now he says, son of man, <clears throat> take up lamentation upon the king. We're just talking to the prince. So now we're talking to the king. The king is his boss. Yes? Take lamentation upon the king of Tyre and say unto him, thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Keep going. Thou hast been where? Where? Which Eden? How in the world could his king have been in Eden unless he's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years old? 
He's talking to the prince who is in fact the king. But he won't call him the king. He calls him. And he says, now let me talk to your boss. Who is the king. And he says, you were in Eden. The garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, topaz, the diamond, the barrel, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee. In the day that thou was born. Huh? Born. Birthed. Oh. So who he's talking to is a created being. He's talking to Satan. And he says, because Satan, you're the king. You're the one running the puppet strings. This prince, he's a mere man. You were in the Garden of Eden. The only way he could have been in the Garden of Eden is he cannot be a human being. Because that person cannot still be The great flood came. We know who was on the ark. Wasn't this dude? So who's he talking to? Keep going. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. He said, you used to be up there with me until that moment where Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning because he got into the throne and said, hey, God, I will, I will, I will exalt my throne. I will do this. I will do that. And God said, down there you go because you're talking stupid. And Jesus watching the whole thing said, I beheld Satan fall from heaven like lightning. You know how fast lightning comes down? He's talking to Satan and he's telling him that this guy might be the king. This guy might be the president. This guy might have authority. This guy might have money. But you make no mistake about it. I'm completely aware. You are the one who's pulling all the puppet strings. And if you would pull back the veil, pull back the covers, and see what's actually going on, you would begin to realize that there's an all-out attack on your soul, on your way of thinking. That's why I got to get it in the history books. That's why I got to give you different textbooks. That's why I got to teach your kids different things. That's why I got to get them away from God. That's why they can't say the Pledge of Allegiance and say God in it. That's why we can't have prayer in school. I have got to get this generation away from knowing God because if I can do that then I can play them like a puppet string and take my attack against the entire world and God said make no mistake about it I know what you're doing I know exactly what you're doing I see it now the problem is can I get you to see it The problem is, can I get you to wake up for a little while? 
Stop acting like it's okay. Stop acting like, well, you know, just, I don't want no trouble. I just don't want no trouble. While, while there's an all-out assault against our children. There's an all-out assault against our souls. Everywhere you go, every, every, uh, you, you do a, do a search. I tell y'all to look at stuff, right? But you never do. Cause I told y'all to look up Black Lives Matter in their, in their preamble and you didn't do it. So you made me come in here and read it to you. Cause you don't do nothing I tell you to do. So I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. Go do it. Google the top 30 Christmas movies. Top 30 of all time Christmas movies. And just go through. It'll take you five minutes. won't take you long. And just read the descriptions. And I want you to tell me if you don't see it. I was thinking, Miracle on 34th Street. I'm thinking, you know, if you're going to say of all time, Right? Of all time, you're going to tell me these got to be the classics. These got to be. It'll blow your mind. It's an all-out assault against the soul. Because if your soul can run things, if your soul can stay in charge, Native American grandfather's walking with his <clears throat> grandson. And he's talking to his grandson. He says, in every one of us, every single one of us, there's a good wolf and a bad wolf. He said, the good wolf is gentle, kind, generous, loving, peaceful. He said, and then there's a bad wolf. He said, and the bad wolf that's in us is evil, greedy, angry, hurtful, dangerous and the little boy kind of looked perplexed and he said they're both in us he said yes they're both inside of us and he said well what are they doing he said they're fighting against each other and he said well which one wins he says well son whichever one you feed the one you starve will die and the one you feed will live Operating inside of you are two very opposing forces. Which one will win? The one you feed. You feed your spirit, your spirit will be the one in control. See, in in corporations, they have what's called a quorum or a majority vote. So let's just say, you know, just for round numbers sake, if we have a board of three people in a corporation you might set in the voting procedures that unless three people are there, you can't have a vote. Because if only two people are there, one votes one way, one votes the other way, you're deadlocked. You need a third one to break the vote. It's called a quorum. And so as you understand corporate structure, it would help you to understand your structure. Because your soul and your body 
have been in cahoots since the day you were born. Here comes your spirit who keeps casting a different vote. (laughs) And because you feed your flesh, you feed your soul. They always vote together and keep outvoting your spirit. So then he says, you got to get your spirit saved or your soul saved so that your soul will line up with your spirit so that then your body is just out. <laughs> Every vote that comes up, your spirit goes, I'm on God's side. And your soul goes, I'm on God's side. And your body goes, <clears throat> let's eat, drink for tomorrow we die. Come on, soul, me and you, we go way back like four flats on a Cadillac. What happened, man? You've changed. And your soul's like, yeah, I've changed. I've been recreated in Christ Jesus. I've been sanctified. I don't allow my emotions to go places my spirit don't want it to go. My spirit's in control. And when the spirit's in control, soul, you have to line up. If the word says one way, I'm going to make you line up. I'm going to make you come into agreement. I'm going to make you give in. I'm going to make you change the way you think. Because the word says this is what it is. This is what it's going to be. And all of a sudden, your body's like, no, but I want to do stuff. And as Paul said, he beats his body daily and tells it to shut up. Because you're not running anything over here. And you take your soul and you quiet it. That's why the Bible says in your patience, possess your soul. You know what to possess it means? To put a chokehold on it. If you possess it, your kid is in the store acting crazy. You yoke them up by their collar. You are now in possession of your child. And immediately, their cerebral cortex starts to send messages, hoping that their booty is maximus, does not receive pressure. You need to do the same thing with your soul. Put a chokehold on it until your cerebral cortex starts coming up with all different other angles. <laughs> Maybe the word is right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you was right. Yeah. Yeah, he was. God was definitely right. That's where you begin to see the change. Because Satan... He was there. He saw it all. He was in the inner sanctum and chose to rebel. He chose it. You can't make that choice. You've got to learn how to get your soul. Your soul will tell you the world's coming to an end. Your soul will tell you you're going to die. Your soul will tell you it's not going to work. Your soul will tell you. Everything in your mind, will, and emotions will get all in agreement and make you feel 
some type of way? That is the stupidest statement I've ever, to feel some type of way. You don't even have enough respect for me to tell me exactly what type it's going to be. You just think you have such control over my body that you're going to make me feel some type of way. Nah, B, you're going to have to tell me. Is it, we're going to be sad? We're going to be happy? We're going to be frustrated? We're going to be angry? Give me the respect of telling me what it's going to be. You done got so lazy with it, I just feel some type of way. I ain't quite sure what it is, but I'm going to yield to it. All the while, God is saying, the joy is your strength. Not happiness, but joy. Well, I just want to feel some, I just feel some type of way. Joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> Well, you don't understand. I'm going through some stuff. I, I feel like I have a right to be mad. Joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> I don't like this message. Yeah, he always up in my business. Joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> See, and, and when you start contradicting, then that's when your body starts showing out. <laughs> I carry all my stress in my neck. <laughs> You know, I just carry it all up in my, in my neck. You don't understand. And your body's like, yeah, it's all up here. <laughs> you can't trust your soul. And you can't trust your body. They are in cahoots. Your body thinks one thing. Let's eat. Let's drink. Let's be merry. For tomorrow, we die. You don't believe me? You don't believe me? Listen, all you sanctified folks, right? Just, just do me a favor for just a half a second. Pretend you weren't born sanctified. Just a moment, because I can see all your halos are shining. It's blinding. I thought it was the lights here. It's really your halos. When you was backing it up in the club, you was like, let's eat. Oh, she sat down. Don't <laughs> No, sis, stand back up. We going there. Stand up. Don't make me come back there. <laughs> when you was in the club and you was backing it up, right, all you was thinking was let's eat, let's drink, and be merry. For tomorrow, <laughs> we going to work. You wasn't stuck about nothing. You wasn't thinking to yourself, maybe I shouldn't eat this. Because you was trying to get some food in your stomach to soak up the alcohol. <sighs> I'm preaching this side real. And so you was doing all this stuff with a plan to be merry. You wasn't thinking about nothing about tomorrow. And then, and then, when you got up tomorrow, if you got up tomorrow, here you are with your head on the toilet. Thank you, Mr. Toilet, for being so cold inside. <laughs> and you have now nicknamed the toilet Ralph. 
And in between your conversations with Ralph, you have told God, God, if you get me out of this, <laughs> I will. So, so you've been there. <laughs> and then three days later, I had to go there because I had to get some of y'all to see it. I really did. Because I wanted you to see it. Because that's what your body wants. It wants more of perversion. It wants more of weakness. It wants more of craziness. It wants more of vices. It wants more of any. Nobody has ever said, no crackhead has ever said, I have smoked entirely too much crack. is an abomination. I smoke way too much weed today. It's always more. Let's eat. Let's drink. Let's be merry for tomorrow. <laughs> Some of you getting it, ain't you? It's getting loud and clear, ain't it? Okay, let's pray. <laughs> oh my God. Never tell I love our church. Whew. I do. I love y'all. And I want you to see it. Because when you start to see it, you'll be like, you know what? I get it now. Satan's in control of that. He's just... If we had a disco ball in here and moved our service time from 11.15 a.m. to 11.15 p.m. and stopped talking about God, we'd be packed. And had $2, you call it? Maybe we should try that and give out holy water instead. Be like, I get a margarita? Yeah, sure. Here's a margarita for you. Some holy water. Here. You ain't going to no drink that. Get some folks saved up in here. No, seriously. It, it, you understand, Satan controls what goes on. And he's always trying to influence your thinking to get you to think the wrong way. Because wherever your mind goes, that's why you're born head first. That's why the doctors will get up in there and try to turn you around and get you to come out head first. Because if you go the other way, they call it a breach birth. You're not supposed to go anywhere in life before your head gets there. And if you don't learn how to get this drunk monkey on your shoulders under control, it'll dictate every aspect of your life. You'll be saved. You'll slide into heaven but you will have lived the life of hell where the Bible says you can have heaven on earth. Doesn't mean you won't be without problems. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but God will deliver us out of them all. You hear me? All of them. All of them. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We're so grateful 
for all that you bring to us, the light you bring. Father, I thank you that utterance is greatly affected by the hearers. And so I thank you that they have listened so well and this their desire to receive these things and to grow in these things. And so, Father, we thank you for the word that has come forth. We thank you that it's hidden their hearts. Satan, we rebuke you and bind you from trying to steal it. <clears throat> They've already got it. They've already planted it in good ground. And as they continue to walk in this light, I thank you, Father, you'll reveal more. Because this is just the tip of the iceberg. But if they want it and they desire it, you'll reveal more. You'll show them how to affect their lifestyle. You'll show them how to change the way they think. You'll show them through the word how to allow the word to have first place in their lives. Man. We thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Sure love you guys.